0: Chapter Nineteen of Cousin Betty by Honoré de Balzac, translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Perry. Chapter Nineteen. Henri, you must have ceased to love me. I know it," said Madame Marneffe, hiding her face in her handkerchief and bursting into tears. It was the outcry of real affection the cry of a woman's despair is so convincing that it wins the forgiveness that lurks at the bottom of every lover's heart when she is young and pretty and wears a gown so low that she could slip out at the top and stand in the garb of eve but why if you love me do you not leave everything for my sake asked the brazilian this south american-born being logical as men are who have lived the life of nature at once resumed the conversation at the point where it had been broken off putting his arm round valerie's waist why she repeated gazing up at henri whom she subjugated at once by a look charged with passion why my dear boy i am married we are in paris not in the savannah the pampas the backwoods of america my dear henri my first and only love listen to me that husband of mine a second clerk in the war office is bent on being a head clerk and officer of the legion of honor can i help his being ambitious now for the very reason that made him leave us our liberty nearly four years ago do you remember you bad boy he now abandons me to monsieur hulot i cannot get rid of that dreadful official who snorts like a grampus who has fins in his nostrils who is sixty-three years old and who had grown ten years older by dint of trying to be young who is so odious to me that the very day when marneffe is promoted and gets his cross of the legion of honor how much more will your husband get then a thousand crowns i will pay him as much in an annuity said baron montes we will leave paris and go where said valerie with one of the pretty sneers by which a woman makes fun of a man she is sure of paris is the only place where we can live happy i care too much for your love to risk seeing it die out in a -a tete-a-tete in the wilderness listen henri you are the only man i care for in the whole world write that down clearly in your tiger's brain For women when they have made a sheep of a man always tell him that he is a lion with a will of iron Now attend to me Monsieur Marneffe has not five years to live. He is rotten to the marrow of his bones He spends seven months of the twelve in swallowing drugs and decoctions He lives wrapped in flannel in short as the doctor says he lives under the scythe and may be cut off at any moment an illness that would not harm another man would be fatal to him. His blood is corrupt, his life undermined at the root. For five years I have never allowed him to kiss me. He is poisonous. Some day, and the day is not far off, I shall be a widow. Well, then, I, who have already had an offer from a man with sixty thousand francs a year, I, who am as completely mistress of that man as I am of this lump of sugar, i swear to you that if you were as poor as hulot and as foul as marneffe if you beat me even still you are the only man i will have for a husband the only man i love or whose name i will ever bear and i am ready to give any pledge of my love that you may require well then to-night but you son of the south my splendid jaguar come expressly for me from the virgin forest of brazil said she taking his hand and kissing and fondling it i have some consideration for the poor creature you mean to make your wife shall i be your wife henri yes said the brazilian overpowered by this unbridled volubility of passion and he knelt at her feet well then henri said valerie taking his two hands and looking straight into his eyes swear to me now in the presence of lisbeth my best and only friend my sister that you will make me your wife at the end of my year's widowhood i swear it that is not enough swear by your mother's ashes and eternal salvation swear by the virgin mary and by all your hopes as a catholic valerie knew that the brazilian would keep that oath even if she should have fallen into the foulest social slough The baron solemnly swore it, his nose almost touching Valérie's white bosom, and his eyes spellbound. He was drunk, drunk as a man is when he sees the woman he loves once more after a sea voyage of a hundred and twenty days. Good. Now be quite easy. And in Madame Marneffe respect the future Baroness de Montéjanos. You are not to spend a sou upon me, I forbid it stay here in the outer room sleep on the sofa i myself will come and tell you when you may move we will breakfast to-morrow morning and you can be leaving at about one o'clock as if you had come to call at noon there's nothing to fear the gatekeepers love me as much as if they were my father and mother now i must go down and make tea she beckoned to lisbeth who followed her out on to the landing there valerie whispered in the old maid's ear my darkie has come back too soon i shall die if i cannot avenge you on hortense make your mind easy my pretty little devil said lisbeth kissing her forehead love and revenge on the same track will never lose the game hortense expects me to-morrow she is in beggary for a thousand francs you may have a thousand kisses from wenceslas on leaving Valerie, Hulot had gone down to the porter's lodge and made a sudden invasion there. Madame Olivier, on hearing the imperious tone of this address and seeing the action by which the Baron emphasized it, Madame Olivier came out into the courtyard as far as the Baron led her. You know that if anyone can help your son to a connection by and by, it is I. It is owing to me that he is already third clerk in a notary's office and is finishing his studies yes monsieur le baron and indeed sir you may depend on our gratitude not a day passes that i do not pray to god for monsieur le baron's happiness not so many words my good woman said hulot but deeds what can i do sir asked madame olivier a man came here to-night in a carriage do you know him madame olivier had recognized montech well enough how could she have forgotten him in the rue du doyenne the brazilian had always slipped a five-franc piece into her hand as he went out in the morning rather too early if the baron had applied to monsieur olivier he would perhaps have learned all he wanted to know but olivier was in bed in the lower orders the woman is not merely the superior of the man she almost always has the upper hand madame olivier had long since made up her mind as to which side to take in case of a collision between her two benefactors she regarded madame marneffe as the stronger power do i know him she repeated no indeed no i never saw him before what did madame marneffe's cousin never go to see her when she was living in the rue du doyenne? oh was it her cousin cried madame Olivier. I dare say he did come, but I did not know him again. Next time, sir, I will look at him. He will be coming out, said Hulot, hastily interrupting madame Olivier. He has left, said madame Olivier, understanding the situation. The carriage is gone. Did you see him go? As plainly as I see you. He told his servant to drive to the embassy this audacious statement wrung a sigh of relief from the baron he took madame olivier's hand and squeezed it thank you my good madame olivier but that is not all monsieur crevel monsieur crevel what can you mean sir i do not understand said madame olivier listen to me he is madame marneffe's lover impossible monsieur le baron impossible said she clasping her hands he is madame marneffe's lover the baron repeated very positively how do they manage it i don't know but i mean to know and you are to find out if you can put me on the tracks of this intrigue your son is a notary don't you fret yourself so monsieur le baron said madame olivier madame cares for you and for no one but you her maid knows that for true and we say between her and me that you are the luckiest man in this world for you know what madame is just perfection she gets up at ten every morning then she breakfasts well and good after that she takes an hour or so to dress that carries her on till two then she goes for a walk in the tuileries in the sight of all men and she is always in by four to be ready for you she lives like clockwork she keeps no secrets from her maid and wren keeps nothing from me you may be sure wren can't if she would Along of my son for she is very sweet upon him so you see if madame had any intimacy with monsieur crevel we should be bound to know it the baron went upstairs again with a beaming countenance convinced that he was the only man in the world to that shameless slut as treacherous but as lovely and as engaging as a siren crevel and marneffe had begun a second rubber at piquet crevel was losing as a man must who is not giving his thoughts to his game marneffe who knew the cause of the mayor's absence of mind took unscrupulous advantage of it he looked at the cards in reverse and discarded accordingly thus knowing his adversary's hand he played to beat him the stake being a franc a point he had already robbed the mayor of thirty francs when hulot came in "Hey day," said he amazed to find no company are you alone where is everybody gone your pleasant temper put them all to flight said crevel no it was my wife's cousin replied marneffe the ladies and gentlemen supposed that valerie and henri might have something to say to each other after three years separation and they very discreetly retired if i had been in the room i would have kept them but then as it happens it would have been a mistake for lisbeth who always comes down to make tea at half-past ten was taken ill and that upset everything then is lisbeth really unwell asked Crevel in a fury so i was told replied Marneffe, with the heartless indifference of a man to whom women have ceased to exist. The mayor looked at the clock, and, calculating the time, the baron seemed to have spent forty minutes in Lisbeth's rooms. Hector's jubilant expression seriously incriminated Valérie, Lisbeth, and himself. "'I have just seen her. She is in great pain, poor soul,' said the baron. Then the sufferings of others must afford you much joy, my friend, retorted Crevel with acrimony, for you have come down with a face that is positively beaming. Is Lisbeth likely to die? For your daughter, they say, is her heiress. You are not like the same man. You left this room looking like the Moor of Venice, and come back with the air of saint Preux. I wish I could see Madame Marneffe's face at this minute." "'And, pray, what do you mean by that?' said marneffe to crevel packing his cards and laying them down in front of him a light kindled in the eyes of this man decrepit at the age of forty-seven a faint color flushed his flaccid cold cheeks his ill-furnished mouth was half open and on his blackened lips a sort of foam gathered thick and as white as chalk this fury in such a helpless wretch whose life hung on a thread and who in a jewel would risk nothing while crevel had everything to lose frightened the mayor i said repeated crevel that i should like to see madame marneffe's face and with all the more reason since yours at this moment is most unpleasant on my honor you are horribly ugly my dear do you know that you are very uncivil a man who has won thirty francs of me in forty-five minutes cannot look handsome in my eyes ah if you had but seen me seventeen years ago replied the clerk you were so good-looking asked crevel that was my ruin now if i had been like you i might be a mayor and a peer yes said crevel with a smile you have been too much in the wars and of the two forms of metal that may be earned by worshipping the god of trade you have taken the worse the dross this dialogue is garnished with puns for which it is difficult to find any english equivalent and crevel roared with laughter though marneffe could take offence if his honor were in peril he always took these rough pleasantries in good part they were the small coin of conversation between him and crevel the daughters of yves cost me dear no doubt but by the powers short and sweet is my motto long and happy is more to my mind returned crevel madame marneffe now came in she saw that her husband was at cards with crevel and only the baron in the room besides a mere glance at the municipal dignitary showed her the frame of mind he was in and her line of conduct was at once decided on marneffe my dear boy said she leaning on her husband's shoulder and passing her pretty fingers through his dingy grey hair but without succeeding in covering his bald head with it it is very late for you you ought to be in bed to-morrow you know you must dose yourself by the doctor's orders ron will give you your herb tea at seven if you wish to live give up your game we will pay it out up to five points said marneffe to crevel Very good. I have scored two replied the mayor. How long will it take you? Ten minutes said Marneffe It is eleven o'clock replied Valérie really monsieur Crevel one might fancy you meant to kill my husband make haste at any rate This double-barreled speech made Crevel and Hulot smile and even Marneffe himself Valérie sat down to talk to Hector you must leave my dearest said she in hulot's ear walk up and down the rue Vanneau, and come in again when you see crevel go out i would rather leave this room and go into your room through the dressing-room door you could tell wren to let me in wren is upstairs attending to lisbeth well suppose then i go up to lisbeth's rooms Danger hemmed in Valerie on every side. She foresaw a discussion with Crevel and could not allow Hulot to be in her room where he could hear all that went on. And the Brazilian was upstairs with Lisbeth. Really, you men, when you have a notion in your head, you would burn a house down to get into it exclaimed she. Lisbeth is not in a fit state to admit you. Are you afraid of catching cold in the street? Be off there, or good night. Good evening gentlemen said the baron to the other two hulot when piqued in his old man's vanity was bent on proving that he could play the young man by waiting for the happy hour in the open air and he went away marneffe bid his wife good-night taking her hands with a semblance of devotion valerie pressed her husband's hand with a significant glance conveying get rid of crevel good-night crevel said marneffe i hope you will not stay long with valerie yes i am jealous a little late in the day but it has me hard and fast i shall come back to see if you are gone we have a little business to discuss but i shall not stay long said crevel speak low what is it said valerie raising her voice and looking at him with a mingled expression of haughtiness and scorn crevel as he met this arrogant stare though he was doing valerie important services and had hoped to plume himself on the fact was at once reduced to submission that brazilian he began but overpowered by valerie's fixed look of contempt he broke off what of him said she that cousin is no cousin of mine said she he is my cousin to the world and to Monsieur Marnef, and if he were my lover it would be no concern of yours a tradesman who pays a woman to be revenged on another man is in my opinion beneath the man who pays her for love of her you did not care for me all you saw in me was m hulot's mistress you bought me as a man buys a pistol to kill his adversary i wanted bread i accepted the bargain but you have not carried it out said crevel the tradesman once more you want baron hulot to be told that you have robbed him of his mistress to pay him out for having robbed you of josepha nothing can more clearly prove your baseness you say you love a woman you treat her like a duchess and then you want to degrade her well my good fellow and you are right this woman is no match for josepha that young person has the courage of her disgrace while i i am a hypocrite and deserve to be publicly whipped alas josepha is protected by her cleverness and her wealth i have nothing to shelter me but my reputation i am still the worthy and blameless wife of a plain citizen if you create a scandal what is to become of me if i were rich then indeed but my income is fifteen thousand francs a year at most i suppose much more than that said crevel i have doubled your savings in these last two months by investing in orleans well a position in paris begins with fifty thousand and you certainly will not make up to me for the position i should surrender what was my aim i want to see marneffe a first-class clerk he will then draw a salary of six thousand francs he has been twenty-seven years in his office within three years i shall have a right to a pension of fifteen hundred francs when he dies you to whom i have been entirely kind to whom i have given your fill of happiness you cannot wait and that is what men call love she exclaimed though i began with an ulterior purpose said crevel i have become your poodle You trample on my heart, you crush me, you stultify me, and I love you as I have never loved in my life. Valérie, I love you as much as I love my Celestine. I am capable of anything for your sake. Listen, instead of coming twice a week to the Rue du Dauphin, come three times." "'Is that all? You are quite young again, my dear boy.' "'Only let me pack off Hulot, humiliate him, rid you of him said Crevel, not heeding her impertinence. Have nothing to say to the Brazilian. Be mine alone. You shall not repent of it. To begin with, I will give you eight thousand francs a year secured by bond, but only as an annuity. I will not give you the capital till the end of five years' constancy. Always a bargain. A tradesman can never learn to give. You want to stop for refreshments on the road of love, in the form of government bonds shopman pomatum seller you put a price on everything hector told me that the duc d'herouville gave josepha a bond for thirty thousand francs a year in a packet of sugar almonds and i am worth six of josepha oh to be loved she went on twisting her ringlets round her fingers and looking at herself in the glass henri loves me he would smash you like a fly if i winked at him Hulot loves me. He leaves his wife in beggary. As for you, go, my good man, be the worthy father of a family. You have three hundred thousand francs over and above your fortune only to amuse yourself. A hoard, in fact, and you think of nothing but increasing it. For you, Valérie, since I offer you half, said he, falling on his knees. What, still here? cried marneffe hideous in his dressing-gown what are you about he is begging my pardon my dear for an insulting proposal he has dared to make me unable to obtain my consent my gentleman proposed to pay me crevel only longed to vanish into the cellar through a trap as is done on the stage get up crevel said marneffe laughing you are ridiculous I can see by Valérie's manner that my honour is in no danger." "'Go to bed and sleep in peace,' said Madame Marneffe. "'Isn't she clever?' thought Crevel. "'She has saved me. She is adorable.' As Marneffe disappeared, the mayor took Valérie's hands and kissed them, leaving on them the traces of tears. "'It shall all stand in your name,' he said. "'That is true love,' she whispered in his ear well love for love hulot is below in the street the poor old thing is waiting to return when i place a candle in one of the windows of my bedroom i give you leave to tell him that you are the man i love he will refuse to believe you take him to the rue du dauphin give him every proof crush him i allow it i order it i am tired of that old seal he bores me to death keep your man all night in the rue du dauphin grill him over a slow fire be revenged for the loss of josepha hulot may die of it perhaps but we shall save his wife and children from utter ruin madame hulot is working for her bread oh poor woman on my word it is quite shocking exclaimed crevel his natural feeling coming to the top if you love me said she in crevel's ear which she touched with her lips keep him there or i am done for marneffe is suspicious hector has a key of the outer gate and will certainly come back crevel clasped Madame marneffe to his heart and went away in the seventh heaven of delight valerie fondly escorted him to the landing and then followed him like a woman magnetized down the stairs to the very bottom my valerie go back do not compromise yourself before the porters go back my life my treasure all is yours go in my duchess madame olivier valerie called gently when the gate was closed why madame you here said the woman in bewilderment bolt the gates at top and bottom and let no one in very good madame having barred the gate madame olivier told of the bribe that the war office chief had tried to offer her you behaved like an angel my dear olivier we shall talk of that tomorrow. morrow valerie flew like an arrow to the third floor tapped three times at lisbeth's door and then went down to her room where she gave instructions to mademoiselle reine for a woman must make the most of the opportunity when a montes arrives from brazil End of chapter 19